Chapter Five of Saved at Sea by Mrs. O. F. Walton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: The Unclaimed Sunbeam. My grandfather and Jem Miller were sitting over the fire in the little watch room in the lighthouse tower, and I sat beside them with the child on my knee. I had found an old picture book for her, and she was turning over the leaves and making her funny little remarks on the pictures. Well, Sandy said Miller, what shall we do with her? do with her said my grandfather stroking her little fair head we'll keep her won't we little lassie yes said the child looking up and nodding her head as if she understood all about it we ought to look up some of her relations it seems to me said jem she's sure to have some somewhere and how are we to find them out asked my grandfather oh the captain can soon make out for us what ship is missing and we can send a line to the owners they'll know who the passengers was well said my grandfather maybe you're right jem we'll see what they say but for my part if them that cares for the child is at the bottom of the sea i hope no one else will come and take her away from us if i hadn't so many of them at home began miller oh yes my lad i know that said my grandfather interrupting him but thy house is full enough already let the wee lassie come to alec and me she'll be a nice little bit of company for us and mary will see to her clothes and such like i know yes that she will said her husband I do declare that she's been crying about that child the best part of the day. She has, indeed. My grandfather followed Jem's advice, and told Captain Sires, when he came in the steamer the next Monday, the whole story of the shipwreck, and asked him to find out for him the name and address of the owners of the vessel. Oh, how I hoped that no one could come to claim my little darling! She became dearer to me every day, and I felt as if it would break my heart to part with her. Every night when Mrs. Miller had undressed her, she knelt beside me in her little white nightgown to talk to God, as she called praying. She had evidently learned a little prayer from her mother, for the first night she began of her own accord. "'Jesus, Eppie, hear me!' I could not think at first what it was that she was saying, but Mrs. Miller said she had learnt the hymn when she was a little girl, and she wrote out the first verse for me. And every night afterwards I let the child repeat it after me. Jesus, tender shepherd, hear me, bless thy little lamb to-night, through the darkness be thou near me, keep me safe till morning light. I thought I should like her always to say the prayer her mother had taught her. I never prayed myself, my grandfather had never taught me. I wondered if my mother would have taught me if she had lived. I thought she would. I knew very little in those days of the Bible. My grandfather did not care for it, and had never read it. He had a large Bible, but it was always on the top of the chest of drawers, as a kind of ornament, and unless I took it down to look at the curious old pictures inside, it was never opened. Sunday on the island was just the same as any other day. My grandfather worked in the garden, or read the newspaper, just the same as usual, and I rambled about the rocks, or did my lessons, or worked in the house, as I did every other day in the week. We had no church or chapel to go to, and nothing happened to mark the day. I often think now of that dreadful morning when we went across the stormy sea to that sinking ship. If our boat had capsized then, if we had been lost, what would have become of our souls? It is a very solemn thought, and I cannot be too thankful to God for sparing us both a little longer. My grandfather was a kind-hearted, good-tempered, honest old man, but I know that that is not enough to open the door of heaven. Jesus is the only way there, and my grandfather knew little of, and cared nothing for, him. Little Timpy became my constant companion indoors and out of doors. She was rather shy of the little millers, for they were noisy and rough in their play, but she clung to me and never wanted to leave me. Day by day she learnt new words and came out with such little odd remarks of her own that she made us all laugh. 
Her great pleasure was to get hold of a book and pick out the different letters of the alphabet, which, although she could hardly talk, she knew quite perfectly. Dear little pet, I can see her now sitting at my feet on a large rock by the seashore, and calling me every minute to look at A or B or D or S. And so, by her pretty ways, she crept into all our hearts, and we quite dreaded the answer coming to the letter my grandfather had written to the owners of the victory, which, we found, was the name of the lost ship. It was a very wet day, the Monday that answer came. I had been waiting some time on the pier, and was wet through before the steamer arrived. Captain Sires handed me the letter before anything else, and I ran up with it to my grandfather at once. I could not wait until our provisions and supplies were brought on shore. Little Timpy was sitting on a stool at my grandfather's feet, winding a long piece of tape round and round her little finger. She ran to meet me as I came in, and held up her face to be kissed. What if this letter should say that she was to leave us and go back by the steamer? I drew a long breath as my grandfather opened it. It was a very civil letter from the owners of the ship, thanking us for all we had done to save the unhappy crew and passengers, but saying they knew nothing of the child or her belongings, as no one in the name of Villiers had taken a cabin, and there was no sailor on board of that name. But they said they would make further inquiries in Calcutta, from which the port the vessel had sailed. Meanwhile they begged my grandfather to take charge of the child, and assured him that he should be handsomely rewarded for his trouble. "'That's right,' I said, when he had finished reading it. "'Then she hasn't to go yet.' "'No,' said my grandfather. "'Poor wee lassie, we can't spare her yet. I don't want any of their rewards, Alec, not I.' "'That's reward enough for me,' he said, as he lifted up the child to kiss his wrinkled forehead. End of chapter 5